Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling Podcast. For countless parents, the journey to unschooling has redefined childhood and transformed their family relationships. Are you curious? Together, let's explore what living and learning looks like without school. Hello, explorers. I'm Pam Laricchia, and this is episode number 226 of the podcast. It's the 5th of May, 2020, as I record this intro. And for the next while, I'm doing something a little different on the podcast. With many people sheltering in place worldwide due to the coronavirus pandemic, it's become increasingly challenging to arrange interviews. At first, that seemed curious to me because people are connecting online even more so during these uncertain times. But as I thought more about the things that I was seeing, it made so much sense. So personal circumstances are changing so quickly right now that guests have been needing to reschedule calls, sometimes multiple times. And with the increased internet traffic on our rural bandwidth, sometimes I've needed to reschedule calls to off hours because we've tried to connect and it just isn't responsive enough for us to hold a conversation. So all that is added stress that I don't want to put on people's plates right now. So a couple of weeks ago, I started contemplating what else I could do with the podcast during this time. So I was thinking I can rebroadcast some older episodes that many newer listeners likely haven't discovered yet. There are some real gems in the backlist. And I can put together some more compilation episodes. It can be really helpful to do a deep dive on a topic, hearing how different guests have answered similar questions. And another idea that bubbled up was my long-standing wish to record audiobook editions of my published books. Now, you might wonder why I'd share them for free on my podcast when the books, and eventually the audiobooks, are for sale as part of my livelihood, but I quickly realized that I truly don't see it as an either-or proposition. I want to share my thoughts and ideas about how unschooling works. I want to share my experience with the personal journey we each take as parents as we strive to cultivate a thriving, unschooling lifestyle in our families. And that's what I've chosen to start with. This week, I've recorded and I'm sharing part one of the audiobook edition of my first book, Free to Learn, Five Ideas for a Joyful, Unschooling Life. First published in 2012, since then, Free to Learn has been translated into four languages, French, Spanish, Portuguese, and Hungarian. I'll put links in the show notes to where you can pick those up if you're interested. If you haven't read it yet, this is an opportunity to learn more about the paradigm-changing ideas that I found to be truly fundamental on my unschooling journey. And if you have read it, I think it'll be a wonderful refresher. Because you are in a different place on your journey today. You've peeled back some layers and have fresh eyes and new experiences to bring to the table. New things will likely jump out and connect for you. Things that passed by unnoticed before. I'm really excited about it. But before we dive in, I want to take a moment to thank everyone who has chosen to support the podcast through Patreon. And a big welcome to new patron, Johanna. Hi, Johanna. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Your generous support not only lets me know that you enjoy the 
show and want it to continue, it allows me to spend time creating episodes like this one each week and to keep the podcast archive freely available to anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash exploring unschooling. And now let's listen to part one of my book, Free to Learn. Free to Learn, Five Ideas for a Joyful Unschooling Life by Pam Larikia. Introduction. Hi, I'm Pam Larikia. Our family is a wonderful web of three teenage children, Joseph, Lissy, and Michael, me, and my husband, Rocco. We've been happily unschooling in Ontario, Canada since 2002. Nice to meet you. As background, I thought I'd share a bit about my life before and my journey to unschooling. Having earned an engineering and management degree through a unique five-year university program, I was firmly entrenched in the public and post-secondary education system, as were all my family and friends. Soon after, I was happily married and had children. But even as my parenting began veering from the mainstream, it didn't occur to me to question the system when my eldest reached school age. I do remember thinking it would be an interesting ride when we walked out of Joseph's junior kindergarten teacher interview, during which he didn't say a word to answer her questions. He smiled and explained to me that he didn't feel like talking to her today, but that he'd speak to her once he started school. I laughed and tousled his hair. (laughs) In those first years, some teachers were more flexible, while others were quite determined to shave off his uniqueness. I researched, I left my career to stay home full-time, and I worked with his teachers and principals to try to help them better understand him. I even gave a presentation about spirited kids at a teacher's meeting and donated books to the library for other parents. Most of the teachers understood what I was talking about, but their feedback was that they don't have the time to work with kids outside the personalities and learning styles that mesh with the classroom environment. The kids have to fit the surroundings, not the other way around. It became clear to me that he would not thrive in public school. In my continued quest to find a learning environment that worked well for him, I found a specialized private school. The environment was better. The teachers and staff are being paid to work outside the typical lines, but still not great. Then, through still more research, I came across the concept of homeschooling and was thrilled to discover it was legal where we lived. Rocco and I discussed it at length over the next couple of weeks and realized that there seemed no downside to trying it out for a year. If it didn't work out, they could return to school. It was March break and none of the kids went back. They were ecstatic with their newly found playtime and I was now happily researching homeschooling. I soon discovered the notion of unschooling, and after a couple of weeks of trying to entice them to do some workbooks, I realized I was hindering, not helping, their learning. We spent the next months de-schooling and living and having a great time. We still are. 
There were five ideas along the way that really helped me to shift my mindset and to understand the potential of unschooling. Of course, I didn't know that these would turn out to be such influential ideas for me. At the time, I was just deeply immersed in learning all I could about unschooling and living joyfully with my children. And I loved learning about unschooling. I still do. As I began to more fully understand the common issues surrounding unschooling, I was inspired to help others learn about it as well. I began by developing a website and named it livingjoyfully.ca because even at that point, I understood that that is what it all boils down to for me, that living joyfully, living fully with joy leads to an immense amount of real learning for both myself and for my kids. Eventually, my joy in helping others learn about unschooling, along with inspiration from Kelly Lovejoy's Live and Learn conferences based in the U.S., led me to host an annual unschooling conference in the Toronto area. With six years of the conference under my belt, my goal remained firm, to bring unschooling families together face-to-face in a relaxed and supportive environment that is conducive to learning more about unschooling, not only from the speakers, but also from each other. I've had the idea for this book in my head for a few years, but I wasn't comfortable taking the next step. I wanted to share my learning journey, but I didn't feel like I was experienced enough to speak with conviction. I didn't feel it in my bones. Every year or so, when I read over the outline, I liked it more and more. But when I took a look at it again in the fall of 2009, I felt absolutely and wonderfully overwhelmed with all that I had to say about these ideas. It was finally time to write, and I dove in. So here's what I've learned. What is unschooling? When I first became a parent, I was woefully unaware of my options when it came to my children's education. School is mandatory, right? That's why there are attendance laws and truant officers. I didn't know anybody who had questioned that. Public schooling was the one and only way for children to learn, except for private school, but that was an expensive and out-of-reach option. The kids went to public school, and I worked hard to make the best of it for them. Then I came across the concept of homeschooling, kids learning outside of school, usually based out of their home, though sometimes out of the family's RV or boat. I was thrilled to discover that the school system was not the only legal option available in Canada or in many other countries. We had a choice. This was a profound realization for me and has been for many parents. You have a choice. As parents, whether you choose public, private, or alternative school, homeschooling or unschooling, the act of making a conscious, well-informed choice regarding your child's learning environment is a crucial step. It is part of your journey as their supportive partner in life. And remember, any choice you make now is not cast in stone. You can change your mind as your experience grows and or your circumstances change. That's what happened in our household, and our children left the school system when they were 9, 7, and 4. The purpose of this book is to help you understand some of the basic principles behind unschooling, a style of homeschooling. Homeschooling generally encompasses methods of educating children in lieu of school. 
Often, it means the children's education is dictated by the parents instead of by teachers, typically using purchased curricula or parent-designed unit studies. Then, what is unschooling? Unschooling is, at its most basic, about learning without a curriculum, without a teacher-centered environment. But sometimes the concept is easier to define by what it's not. It's not school at home, a recreation of the school environment with a low student-teacher ratio around the kitchen table. It's not about leaving your kids to fend for themselves. Far from it. It is about creating a different kind of learning environment for your children. An environment based on the understanding that humans learn best when they are interested and engaged and when they are personally involved and motivated. Creating an environment conducive to real learning is very difficult if someone else, parent, teacher, or curriculum developer, is dictating what a person should be learning at any given time. But drop that outside control over the child, and learning truly comes naturally. As the late John Holt, educator and unschooling advocate, notes so succinctly, Fish swim, birds fly, man thinks and learns. In addition, once you experience unschooling, you realize that there is much more to it than just dropping curriculum. It becomes a learning lifestyle, one where parents and children together enjoy exploring their interests and passions, learning along the way, one that evolves to inform your outlook on just about any situation that arises. Some like to call it life learning because what you are doing is learning through living. It revitalizes your relationships with your children. You will come to see that learning is often handicapped when confined to a classroom and a curriculum, but exciting and ubiquitous when children are given the freedom to explore their world. And soon you begin to glimpse the true nature of unschooling unfolding living joyfully and passionately as a family, and building lifelong relationships in an environment where your children are free to discover and to grow into the people they were born to be. Unschooling is a unique process for each family and for each child. That may be why explaining unschooling is so straightforward and so difficult at the same time. The implications of that simple phrase, learning without a curriculum, are profound and life-changing. This book is about exploring the ideas, the paradigm shifts that will help you understand unschooling. Learning about learning. You take advantage of a quiet moment and call your best friend for some adult conversation. After a brief exchange of pleasantries, you both sink into some serious conversation. Sharing with her your yearning to learn to sew, she promptly encourages you, Take a class. I'd like to share up front a few thoughts about how you might approach this book. As a first step, pay attention to the learning process that you are going through as you learn more about unschooling. As you read this and other books, browse websites, or meet up with other unschoolers, use part of your mind to watch yourself objectively. Ask yourself how much you remember from your school career. Ask yourself how you prefer to learn day-to-day -day things now. The answers will help you to understand the learning process itself and to be open to seeing it in your children. How are you learning about unschooling? Let's take an example. 
What are your options if you decide you want to learn how to edit your digital home videos? There are lots of ways to approach it. You could sign up for a class in your area. You could do a bit of research and choose some software or download a demo and start playing around with it. Maybe you like to read through the user's manual before you get started. Or just reference it when you are trying to figure out something specific. You could search for online help videos or support forums for that software. Maybe you know someone who has already done this and you could ask them to show you how to get started. There are many ways to learn something. A class is just one of them. Which ways work best for you? What I learned about myself when I was a computer program developer was that the classes I took at the behest of my employer were one of the least helpful ways for me to learn a programming language. The first day of a course was often useful, showing me around the software interface and introducing me to the basics of the language syntax, but the rest of the week I was often bored to frustration while programming answers to made-up sample exercises that were inevitably not much use outside the classroom. The real learning started once I got back to the office and started applying it to real-life business situations. With manuals strewn around my desk, I'd likely join an online forum or two to read through others' questions or post my own as needed, check out online programming tutorial sites, all the while making progress on what I was actually trying to accomplish. And if I didn't use the language soon after, either personally or at work, what I did pick up during the course was soon all but lost. So learning things as I came up against them in my life as they help me accomplish something I'm striving toward, has served me very well. This book will take you from the ideas behind unschooling through the extension of these ideas into day-to-day -day living. It is key to understand that unschooling is not just a different set of rules to live by. You can decide you don't like the school rules, written and unwritten, and you want something different for your family, but if you interpret the unschooling ideas presented here as just another set of rules and implement them without thought and awareness, life will most likely feel out of control for your whole family. Don't just skim through the ideas, as logical as they may seem on the surface. Really live with them. Let them percolate in the back of your mind as you go about your day. Recall your own learning experiences, in school and out, and see how they compare. It will take work on your part to deeply understand these concepts and bring them into the everyday life of your family, but it will be truly rewarding. And one other note, if you are coming to unschooling from negative school experiences for you or your child, try to take any negative energy that you have and focus it on learning more about unschooling. It can be challenging to work through negative experiences, but that energy is wasted if it's focused on the past. Use it to help you learn and move forward. The reasons for choosing unschooling will change over time as you learn more and gain more experience seeing your kids learning and growing. As negative school experiences fade in your memory, more lasting and positive reasons to unschool will blossom. One day you'll look up from the book you're reading or the game you're enjoying with your children and it will hit you. You are unschooling. Idea one, real learning. Let's take a moment to look at the word paradigm. 
According to the Canadian Oxford Dictionary, second edition, it means an example or pattern followed, a typical instance. There are common ideas in our society today that are held up as models for parenting and the business of dispensing childhood education. Moving to unschooling means examining these mainstream ideas to see how well they hold up in our lives, how well they serve us as a family. In Free to Learn, I examined the five mainstream ideas I found most wanting as they applied to our lives. I underwent a paradigm shift with each of these ideas, a fundamental change in approach, Canadian Oxford Dictionary, that made sense to me, better described our lives, and helped me to more fully understand the principles behind unschooling. Unschooling Paradigm Learning is best defined by the learner. Mainstream Paradigm Children need to be taught. For learning to happen, it needs to be directed by a teacher and measured through tests to prove success. Learning is defined by a teacher. Paradigm shift. Instead of looking at learning from a teacher's point of view, look at it from the learner's point of view. Real learning is best defined by the learner precisely because it can only take place in the learner, regardless of any teaching being done around the learner. At first, it may seem like a small shift of focus, looking through the learner's eyes instead of the teacher's, almost semantics, but this shift is the key to observing real learning. How do we get there? Learning versus teaching. The high school teacher stands at the front of the room. Noticing that there are only a couple minutes left in the class, he quickly wraps up his sentence and puts down the chalk. He notes that a number of students are busy with other things, doodling on scrap paper, twirling pencils, chatting quietly with their neighbors. He sighs, knowing they had not been paying attention to his explanation of photosynthesis. Remember, the test next week, it will cover chapters four and five, but not the section on the Calvin cycle. We'll cover that next month if we have time. Be sure you can describe the formula for photosynthesis. The students that hear him dutifully write down the test hints. They all begin to gather their belongings. They wait impatiently for the bell to ring so they can chat freely for a couple minutes before trekking to their next class. He was definitely teaching, but were the students learning? Did they understand the process he was trying to describe? Will they remember it? Does being in the presence of teaching ensure that learning is taking place? I think the vast majority of us can remember similar situations we were in where the answers were no. Whether teachers like it or not, the students themselves are completely in control of whether learning is happening. During the next week, the majority of the students spend varying amounts of time studying chapters 4 and 5, but not the Calvin cycle section because why bother? It's not on the test. Trying to memorize the photosynthesis formula, trying to guess whether they will have to label the parts of a chloroplast cell on the test. Some will memorize everything just in case. Others will guess well and get a decent mark this time, or not. Still others don't like biology and accordingly don't put much effort into memorizing facts they don't think they'll ever use in real life. The tests are returned and some are pleased, some are disappointed, others are indifferent. They all move on. It's a month later, and the teacher announces the next test covering chapters 6, 7, and 8 
but not the Calvin cycle as they didn't have time to cover it. The cycle starts again. But what if on test day he hands out the previous test instead? How well do you think the students would do? Is memorizing really learning? Does memorizing a process mean that it is understood, that it will be remembered in the long term? If it is forgotten a month later, was it really learned? These are great questions to ask yourself. Teaching is about the relationship between two people, teacher and student. The goal is that the student learns a particular piece of information or skill from the teacher. Since learning is the goal, isn't it best to define the outcome from that standpoint? It is much more relevant to observe the result from the student's point of view, from the learning rather than from the teaching. When describing your daughter's newest achievement, tying her shoelaces, is it more accurate to say she learned than to say I taught her? You may well have shown her various ways to tie her shoes and on different occasions, But at the moment she was ready to put it all together, she learned how to tie her shoes. She learned is also more accurate than she taught herself. She didn't know how before, so how could she teach it to herself? She learned. For the next while, every time you find yourself using or thinking the word teach, take a moment to rethink the situation and substitute the word learn you'll begin to see life from the learner's point of view. And that's great because that's where all the action is. What is learning? Gathering the dishes on the coffee table to take back to the kitchen, a commercial on TV catches your attention. Did you know children can lose up to two and a half months of learning over the summer? Let's talk about what learning means. Is it memorizing and recalling facts and methods? If Tom memorizes a set of facts, recites it for a test, and receives a good mark, does this mean he learned that information? A good mark is how schools typically define successful learning because pen and paper tests are the easiest way to measure the progress of individuals in large groups. But if Tom can no longer remember that information a couple months later, did he really learn it? From the school's point of view, an A on a test or report card is still an A two months later. So, yes, he did. What about from the learner's point of view? What if, a couple months later, he can no longer regurgitate that particular fact, solve that geometry problem, or recall the meaning of that Shakespearean soliloquy he can still almost recite? It means he can't take that piece of information about the world with him and connect it to other interesting bits he may come across. It may be sitting in memory somewhere, but it isn't connected to anything meaningful for the learner. When the viewpoint is the learner living in the world, then it follows that he hasn't really learned that piece of knowledge. It is of no real use to him because it's not an accessible piece of information about his world. It is, at best, a random factoid. Real learning occurs when information is understood and remembered. Understanding results from being able to make sense of a piece of information by seeing how it fits into the world, how it connects to other bits of information to make a more complete picture in the learner's mind. And understanding makes it more memorable, 
like a puzzle piece that has fallen into place and becomes integrated into the learner's knowledge base. There are a couple other related mainstream beliefs about learning I'd like to examine while we're here. One belief is about learning certain things at certain ages. This belief is perpetuated by school because of the assembly line nature of the educational system. Curricula are useful tools to ensure that by the end of their schooling career, each student has touched upon the topics deemed necessary. Without that guidance, Mr. Smith, Tom's third grade teacher, and Miss Jones, his fifth grade teacher, might both choose to teach medieval history because they each find it fascinating, while Tom misses out on pioneer times altogether. But curricula are artificial constructs independent of learning itself. They are predominantly for the management of masses of students. With unschooling, this need to learn certain things at certain ages is irrelevant, and the child is free to learn things as they come up in life. The focus is not on learning what someone has deemed they need to know by the time they are 10 or 13 or 18 and graduating into the real world. The focus for unschoolers is on living in the real world every day and learning things as needed to accomplish the real and meaningful goals in front of them. If Tom becomes interested in medieval history after seeing the movie A Knight's Tale or Pioneer Times after visiting the local Pioneer Village, he can delve into it right then, regardless of his age. He can learn about jousting when he encounters jousting. Does it matter if he is 7 or 12 or 21 or 42 when that happens? What if he never happens to come across jousting? Would that hamper his ability to live a fulfilling life? I certainly don't think so. The second belief is the focus on what to learn instead of how to learn. There are two challenges here. One is that the body of useful knowledge needed to live in the information age of the 21st century is changing so rapidly that school curricula can't keep up. Significant portions of the skill set held by typical high school students may well be obsolete within a decade after graduation. The other challenge is accommodating different learning styles. This is a daunting task in the highly structured school environment. Those students that don't learn well in the typical classroom environment are regarded as unintelligent, and many carry that judgment well into their adult lives. People don't realize that the issue was really that the typical classroom setup was not conducive to how they learn best. In contrast, the unschooling child is free to pursue and learn things they are interested in, keeping pace with the changing skill set in their areas of interest while along the way instinctively figuring out how they prefer to learn. Hands-on tinkering, reading, watching, listening, or more typically, a fluid combination of some or all of those styles. Discovering and understanding how we learn best is a skill that will serve us well throughout our lives. Learning can easily continue beyond school age if one remains curious. To me, this is the underlying issue being addressed by futurist Alvin Toffler as he quotes psychologist Herbert Gurdjoy. Tomorrow's illiterate will not be the man who can't read. He will be the man who has not learned how to learn. Building a View of the World Lauren accepts her rolled-up diploma and dutifully shakes the principal's hand. 
then lines up with her fellow graduates. As soon as the formal ceremony ends, she and her friends then break out of their serious demeanor, share high fives and hugs, and shout, Woohoo! No more classes ever! Real world, here I come! Now that we're focusing on the learning instead of the teaching, and on the long-term learning connections made by the learner, let's see how it all comes together. What does it look like over time? Each person is building a unique view of the world. That view includes how they fit into the world, how they interact with the world, and how the world works scientifically, mathematically, artistically, and historically. All the bits and pieces of the world are not as independent from each other as school subjects imply. Those pieces of information connect together to create our environment, our society. Instead of having a goal of graduation for our children, let's look beyond. They are living in the world. That is what we'd like to help them do. The commonly held ideal behind school is to teach children a set of skills and a body of general knowledge that will allow them to function in the real world when they graduate. Do you remember when you were in school and sometimes you wondered why you would need to learn a certain thing? The answer was usually some version of, you'll need to know it when you're older and out in the real world. Trust me. In school, the learning is often disconnected from the living even as the curriculum tries hard to imitate it. The bigger picture of how a piece of information is useful to the student and how it connects to their world, thus making it understandable and memorable, is often glossed over quickly or missing entirely because it can be different for each student. The teacher doesn't have enough time to understand and explain to each student how each piece of knowledge uniquely connects to their personal existing knowledge base. This lack of time means teachers must generalize and assume every student's existing knowledge base is the same, the school's curricula up to this point. Because of the masses of students that must be moved through the system, the curricula are based on a generalized view of the real world. How does one define the real world? Just as there is no perfectly typical person, there is no perfectly typical real world that every student will enter upon graduation. The knowledge and skills that a person needs to know to successfully navigate their life varies widely depending on their interests, on what career and life goals they choose to pursue, not to mention a host of other personal factors. What they really need to prepare for is their piece of the world the part of the world they will choose to inhabit. Unschooling children, not bound by a standard curriculum, are able to delve more deeply into the areas of the world that interest them, those areas that they are more likely to be involved in as they get older. Sure, there may be a set of basic information and skills that almost everyone may want to have, but that is because those skills are basic to our society. As such, unschooling children living day-to-day with their families will come across them too. Do you worry that they might not encounter a skill they really need to know? Think about that for a moment. If they don't come across it during their day-to-day lives, is it really a necessary skill? Why? Maybe they just haven't encountered it yet and will pick it up easily enough when it comes up. Or maybe they will never bump into it. The point is that there is no start or end to learning. It can happen at any time, at any age, 
whenever the need to attain the skill or knowledge arises. One proviso, though. Unschooling won't work well if you actively avoid having your family interact with the world, with life. Shutting out the world rather than embracing it will limit your children's opportunities to learn, maybe to the point where school is more connected to the world than home is. Inhibiting their exploration of the world around them is not helpful or supportive of learning. But if you're ready to embrace life and eager to share its wonder with your children, life in the real world is much bigger and more exciting than school can contain within its four walls. You can help your children explore the world, encourage their fascination with all the pieces that catch their interest, and help them build their own unique view. This is one of the best ways to encourage a lifelong love of learning. De-schooling. Natalie wakes up early, excited to grab a few minutes to continue building her fort in the backyard before she has to leave for school. As she quickly eats breakfast, you remind her she has a quiz this morning at school and she needs to study instead. You know she's disappointed, so you remind her she can get back to it after school. Natalie shakes her head sadly. No, I've got band practice after school today. I guess it'll have to wait until after dinner. You have more bad news for her. No, you have to finish your science homework tonight. Maybe tomorrow. It takes time to move from a teacher-centered, structured view of learning to a learner-centered one. This period of decompression and change of focus is often called de-schooling. The guide for this process is one month for every year of schooling, whether in a school building or school at home. But remember, don't stress if this process takes longer than you expect. The whole family will need time to relax and adjust to life without the imposed structure of a school timetable. What does one do while de-schooling? It is a wonderful time to discover your children's interests and rediscover the joy of learning. Enjoy your children's interests alongside them and help them dig into them as deeply as they'd like. Seeing them learn about things they are interested in is inspiring to watch. Leave them to unwind without the pressure of any expectations. Join them often just to hang out together. Pick up some interests of your own and share them if asked. Discover things you're all interested in and pursue them together. Give them something new that you think they'd be interested in. Not something you wish they would be interested in, but something you truly think they'd enjoy. Then, don't be bitter or discouraged if they pass on it. Brainstorm together things they'd like to do at home and out in the community. Some great ideas for de-schooling and living activities include watching movies, visiting the local attractions like the Science Center, Museum, Paintball Field, Water Park, Conservation Parks, Mall, Ice Cream Parlor, Pizza Joint, Zoo, and Pioneer Village, just to name a few. Playing a week-long Monopoly game, making Play-Doh, swimming, hiking, fishing, skiing, building a huge Lego town, beating that video game, putting together a thousand-piece puzzle. I bet you can come up with a great list unique to your family. Have fun together. Focus on really being with your kids, not just in body, but in mind as well. That is, don't have part of your brain thinking about what you're going to make for dinner. Or you may miss something fascinating. If you like to write, maybe now is a great time to start a journal. 
not a schoolish journal with subject dividers like reading, math, science. Those topics will make it difficult for you to see all the learning that's happening. How about one that chronicles everyday life in general? Write down what they get up to, what their favorite activities are, what they chat about, what interesting comments they make, and so on. When you read it over after a few months, you will see their personal learning patterns emerge, how some interests led to others, how their activities are developing, and their overall growth as people. In your free time, continue reading and thinking critically and learning about unschooling. Parents are usually the ones who have been in the school system the longest and thus have the most de-schooling to do. Analyze your own school experiences. Do you remember everything you were taught? Did you learn better when you were interested in the subject? Did the structure of school interfere with your learning? Think about what you've read here so far about learning in general. What is the real purpose of learning things? What does real learning look like? Is it necessary to learn certain things at certain ages? How do you best like to learn? Is it ever too late to learn something? A common worry is whether there's a distinct window for your child to learn a second language. And if you miss it, you have somehow failed them. It may be easier to learn another language at a younger age, but it's not too late to learn it when one is older. People do it all the time. If a child is interested in learning another language when they're young, have fun with it. I don't mean asking a three-year-old if they want to learn French. Put on a French TV show, sing some French songs, play with French words. But if they aren't interested, a parent insisting a child learn a second language just because it may come more easily and maybe someday they'll want to speak it can damage the relationship. It also sends the message that the parent should be defining what the child learns. It becomes an I know better than you or for your own good situation. And where does that stop? The key is the learner's interest. A paradigm shift doesn't happen overnight. You think and observe and analyze until the process culminates in a shift that reaches all the corners of your mind and rings loudly with its truth in your unique view of the world. Answering the kinds of questions posed in this chapter for yourself will help you figure out what real learning means to you. Unschooling is not about just getting rid of school. It's about replacing school with a different kind of environment for learning, one that is more supportive of how people learn naturally, the way your children first learn to walk and talk. All that energy you employed to get them up in the morning make their lunches, get them off to school, help them with their homework, etc. You can now put to great use building relationships with them, helping them pursue their interests, and bringing them together with interesting things in the world. But stay responsive to their feedback, spoken and unspoken. It's not about being assertive and insistent with your support. Sometimes you'll find you need to use your energy to stay out of their way and watch learning blossom from a distance. The day de-schooling ends and unschooling begins won't be lit up in bright lights. There's no magic moment. Life will just continue with the wonderful rhythm you found. You'll see all the learning that's happening every day, and eventually you'll look back and realize, hey, I think we're unschooling. I hope you found this episode helpful on your unschooling journey. 
And be sure to check out the wonderful archive of earlier podcast episodes. The conversations never go out of date. And you can find more information about my books, my Patreon community, and the Childhood Redefined Unschooling Summit at my website, livingjoyfully.ca. Have a great day.